The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me. Adam McGee. So we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. It is here. Spring training is on our respective doorsteps as Brewers fans. As you well know, if you're listening to this, the uh, pitchers and catchers first workout is this Thursday, February 15th. I can't think of a more romantic uh, post-Valentine's Day activity than baseball being back in our lives in some degree and then i think the first full squad workout february 20th next tuesday still got a few you know month and a half or so to go before we're at full opening day but excitement is in the air welcome to our podcast adam our shared podcast how are you doing i'm doing well it's always a pleasure to be on your show um yeah, I'm excited. We're nearly there. We're going to start seeing a steady flow of, you know, clips and videos and quotes and stories emerging from Brewers Spring Training very, very soon with pitchers and catchers reporting. So that gives plenty of reason to be excited. And as we've kind of touched on the last couple of episodes, I think you and I are both personally very excited about the shape of the roster. And since our last podcast, when I say since, I mean like moments after we finished recording our last podcast and started another podcast, which we were in the middle of, 
so we couldn't return and do an addendum. Um, the Brewers have made another signing, which probably feels like old news to everyone, but we'll talk about here. And I think that gives us further reason for excitement too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's we're we're really at kind of the business end of the off season. And by that I mean <laughs> the off season is you know, the end of the off season is almost in sight. We can start thinking about baseball again and games being played. And maybe it's not the case for everyone. I know there are a lot of sports fans generally who are just like they really live and die for free agency and trades now. I am not one of those sports fans, and I would like to see some baseball games played. As would I. Um, yeah, Adam, you and I just moments into the recording for Make Time for This, which you should subscribe to, gsbn.info. Subscribe to all the podcasts, the Eurostep, the Win in Six podcast, Talk of the Tundra, and of course, Make Time for This, as I mentioned. Um, yeah, the news broke, and I think it was uh, kind of a surprising move, but one that makes total sense and raises the ceiling, uh, especially um, offensively, of what the backup catcher spot can be for the Brewers. The Brewers signed Gary Sanchez to a one-year, $7 million deal with a mutual option for 2025. I still haven't seen that um, like marked as official by the club, If unless I'm missing that. Um, who knows my brain has just been fried there so i'm assuming I, I, that i was checking roster listings earlier and he's not listed so i don't think that okay. has been made official yet so we assume that uh becomes official in the next few days or however that shakes out um even if you're a casual baseball fan you probably uh know gary sanchez's name because he was a prominent prospect with the new york yankees um uh circa 2015 i think was his, his uh or not his rookie year, his full season rookie year was probably 2016. Looks like he had two games in 2015, 53 games in 2016, and then third season was his first with a real full workload, 122 games, and was an all-star. I uh, got second, uh, or it looks like he got second in rookie of the year voting in 2016, even though he was only played in 53 games. That was because he had a 1,032 OPS and hit 20 homers in those 229 plate appearances. A guy who I think by the virtue of playing in New York for so long, uh, got a reputation as kind of an inconsistent player and a guy who was uh, poor behind the plate defensively and digging into some of the numbers and listening to some of the national podcasts. Uh, uh, this week, it seems like uh, that his defensive uh, skills are actually a little better than the reputation would suggest. Eno Saris on uh, the Athletic Baseball Show's Rates and Barrels this week basically said like he played – as a Yankee and had a few pass balls. Uh, so people just all of a sudden uh, assumed he was a terrible defensive catcher. It seems like he's actually uh, passable to decent in that department. And obviously you get him hooked up with the Brewers catching lab uh, and who knows um, how those receiving skills can, can turn out uh, last season. He, he played with uh, both the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres. Most of that coming with the Padres, 260 plate appearances for the Padres slash 218, 292 with a 500 slug. 792 OPS with the Padres hit 19 homers in those 260 plate appearances. So a guy that's going to bring a little more upside to the backup uh, catcher spot. And uh, we expect him especially to feature prominently as a DH, um, especially against left-handed pitchers because he's had a lot of success against them. So when the Brewers signed Eric Haas and Austin Nola, we thought that 
that would kind of be the the Royal Rumble to decide who is the backup catcher. But this just does uh, a little bit more reinvesting of that Corbin Burns uh, arbitration slot that's no longer uh, on the books and adds just a little bit more offensive talent um, to this team that's looking to uh, compete in 2024. It likely also keeps Jefferson Caro as a minor league player for if not all, the vast, vast majority of this season, barring injury, barring really pronounced struggles for Gary Sanchez, and maybe part of that is just, hey, we've got a lot of rookies up, we don't need to rush this, and it also might be further evidence. I mean, I we've talked in recent pods about some people find a great confusion of what exactly are the Brewers doing, and I don't see it as confusing. I think they're very clearly trying to have a healthy mix where they have good, like productive veterans who are on this roster, which is going to be at least to fifty percent, if not skewing more, towards rookies and towards second year players. So I I think it kind of continues to work in a way where you could see them trying to play both tracks. You can see them wanting to blood young players, but also to make sure they have good veteran guidance and that hopefully you get a level of production that allows your young players to get their experiences on a competitive and a winning team immediately. And that that's the kind of environment they're going to come into. I think that's consistent with who the Brewers have been for quite a long time. And there are so many elements we talk about when it comes to the idea of the Brewers would never do and wouldn't want to do a full teardown. And here we are, we're seeing the rebuild and it isn't a full teardown. They're ensuring a level of competitiveness I think it's easy to say that and frame that purely as a financial thing, as something in terms of keeping fans engaged, keeping them buying tickets. But I do also think if you can, there is no better way to get your young players ready to be your stars of tomorrow than to have them playing against good teams in meaningful games. And in having other good players on your roster, you give yourself a better chance of that, that you're not just saying, oh, it's your time, you're in the team and we're going to lose... 115 games this season and we'll kind of put up with two or three years of that instead it's like the the freshman had to deal with last year where it's like you're out there you're at bats count they have consequence and they could ultimately be the difference between this team making the playoffs and missing the playoffs and that is a different kind of experience that has a real value to it it can work out the other way, but I, I do think organizationally there seems to be a feeling between the Brewers that for a variety of reasons, and one possibly being, you know, it's developmental merit, they don't want to bottom out. They want to be at a level where they are in the playoff mix every year because they see worth to that for young players. I think that probably factors in with what this will mean for Jefferson Cairo. That's for the deal itself. More pop is certainly not a bad thing for this team. At no point in the past couple of years would we have seen that as a bad thing. Um, it is going to be interesting to see what this does for DH. I'd expect Sanchez to DH a lot. We already expected Contreras to not really have all that many days off completely where he'd be DHing if he's not catching. So if that ends up being the case, what's interesting in that then is what it means for Yelly, who we would have expected to see plenty of DH too, and what it means for a crowded outfield picture where you have so many of those like young promising players how your backup catcher is going to impact the playing time of your young outfielders is not necessarily the most intuitive thing, but it, I think that will be a factor and it's something we'll see here. And 
if he's playing well enough, it won't be an issue and it will all make sense. But if he's not, tougher decisions then will probably surface pretty quickly. I think someone, though, who has the ability to just absolutely mash is not a bad thing for this team. And in addition to, say, adding someone like Reese Hoskins, you're just you're adding a mixture again in terms of the profile of players, leaving aside age, leaving aside experience. There are better contact hitters in this team. There have been for quite a while, and depending what they do with some of the up-and-coming prospects who could factor in this year too, that might continue to kind of trend in that direction. So what does that mean? It means, yeah, let's make sure that there is some power as well and Sanchez will fit that bill. Yeah, and I think how all the playing time in that DH spot and what it means for Jefferson Caro uh, as a backup catcher will all shake out as the season goes along. Because, I mean, Gary Sanchez is a guy that at his best uh, features that that kind of upside with the power that this lineup has lacked in years past. And now you have Reese Hoskins added to that mix, Jackson Chorio as well. So... Uh, the potential there is exciting, but he also has had times in his career um, where he has struggled to perform offensively and, you know, he's, he's had rough seasons. Uh, so if that is the case uh, midway through the year and Jefferson Caro is playing his way into the conversation, I don't think that they would be too precious about, you know, making that move if they had to, if they thought it was the best move. Uh, for the organization. I mean, even last year, uh, Sanchez had to sign a minor league deal with the Giants uh, to begin the season and then opted out, became a free agent in May, signed on with the Mets, uh, played eight games in AAA where he hit well. Then he was selected to the active roster, uh, appeared in three games, <laughs> went one for six and was DFA'd and then signed on with the Padres and uh, really turned the season around. So there's a lot of variance in Sanchez's uh, performance in his career. So if he's on the upslope, I think he'll be on this roster and be getting meaningful at bats uh, for a lot of the season. And if he's not, um, you see what happens when it's clear that Caro is ready to go. But yeah, to your point, I think he will uh, heavily. <laughs> Excuse me, gotta. It's it's every podcast, but today it's particularly bad. I don't know what it is. I had to talk a lot today, Adam. Talking uh, resurfaces the coughing, and then uh, I get on a podcast with you, and I sound I sound like I'm holding back tears a lot of the time too. Like there's just something I just this can't is, get off my chest. This is a condition. It's a podcasting condition. I think you're forgetting that I had a spell like this for like two and a half months, which was a real problem. Like last year, I had to. At the cancel a few podcasts because I was like, "Hey Jordan, I don't think I'll manage two and a half hours on the books today." Uh, my voice goes funny, so I don't know. Maybe we you we and I have ourselves uh... as like research. Maybe we do too many podcasts. Maybe this is what happens. We also have jobs where sometimes you even more so. You got to talk all day and then do a podcast. Yeah, I think. Um, also, you and I have both uh, had our bouts with COVID over the last. Uh... That's true several years so who knows what who knows what these lungs look like man i don't know um so one of the the, the things we did mention about where sanchez uh would expect to uh like really help this roster is he's got a uh a career 105 ops plus against lefties um so just slightly above league average there but really mashed them last year um so if if he can slot into that DH role against lefties, I think that's a, a no-brainer in helping uh, kind of correct something that's been a challenge for the Brewers over the last few seasons. All that be, being said, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about a backup catcher. So 
<laughs> we're not saying he's going to revolutionize this lineup, but it's just another example of Matt Arnold in this front office, like you said, trying to find balance in bridging together two eras of Milwaukee Brewers baseball, the phrase that, you know, kind of uh, makes us cringe sometimes, Adam, because we imagine Craig Council saying it. Um, but like you had the Burns Woodruff era that's now over. Um, Brandon Woodruff still is not signed. I will. I'll throw that out there. We'll talk about that once is, a podcast. Is the Woodruff affair over, Andrew? Is it over? Who can say? To be continued. Uh, but this next era is the, you know, the Jackson Chorio era, era and whoever fills in around that. And t- you made a great point uh, last week when uh, talking about uh, Willie Adamas, which is if he's on this roster, he provides an adult in the room and on the infield to a degree. Uh mixing in with all of the young talent that's looking to emerge and take the next steps in their career. Sanchez does uh, the same thing uh, in a much lesser, you know, value role as a backup catcher to William Contreras and then as a DH. And um, yeah, it's in more upside than Haas or Nola either presented. So from that standpoint, it's, it's good, good business. And I think we're speaking glowingly on this, uh, offseason the last few weeks because we just see the mechanisms at play and like the reasons for the decisions and i think they just all seem to really make sense so credit to matt arnold for reinvesting this corbin burns money in different places around the roster i think in addition to that what's worth noting is whether people felt that way to start of last season certainly by the end of last season it was very clearly established like the Brewers, if not the best, certainly had a top three catching group in all of baseball with Contreras and Caratini. And that's not even getting into, you know, the depth that's behind that in terms in terms of your system or the work that is done with your your coaches in the catching department, which shouldn't be overlooked, particularly when you're signing a new catcher too, what that could mean for pitch framing, how even what might be slightly kind of overlooked or, you know, undersold defense in Sanchez's case where he might just be perfectly passable and he's got something of a bad rep. By the time the Brewers are finishing him, he might be above average, like based on what we've seen. I think though going out and signing someone like Sanchez as opposed to sticking with Haas is representative of a commitment to maybe what we should like call the Caratini model of what we've what we've just kind of seen this team tie themselves to, which is they are very, very committed to making sure they have a very high quality, like true MLB starting caliber catcher out there at all times. Like that's that's how the Brewers operate. It's a position where they see real, real value and they're placing a continued emphasis. And even if we want to go to that kind of comparison, like I, I think Brewers fans are in no doubt as to the value Caratini brought, very, very steady catcher who worked well with many year star pitchers. Gordon Burns, you know, most notably of all, but could just kind of in any situation would be up to the task. Not a stellar, like kind of outstanding offensive player by any means, but might have had more walk-offs than any other Brewer in the past couple of years in spite of that. This is probably a trade-off if you're to compare between what they had last year with Caratini and what they'll have this year with Sanchez. You might lose a little bit defensively, but you're going to hope to gain offensively. And still kind of balance out in a way where we should be saying the Brewers are the envy of the rest of baseball in terms of what they're getting out of the catching spot. And in this case, that will be with Jefferson Caro very, very close behind, kind of breeding down the neck of Gary Sanchez for opportunity there too. 
So it's interesting just to watch how they continue to place a real clear pronounced value on this position and where a lot of other teams around baseball they'll have their starter and then it's just you know okay who can we get how can we fill it out the brewers are not leaving anything to chance when it comes to catcher and if we're to be honest about that that might make even more sense this year with the changing profile of the team with corbin burns gone with brandon woodruff potentially gone and not pitching regardless um you're going to have a slightly more eclectic pitching group. I think it's a group we still have a lot of confidence in, a group that we feel produce, but there is going to be more variance tied to that. And with that, does it make even more sense to make sure that you're going to be very comfortable that you know whoever you have out there, a catcher on a given night is up to the task of deliver? Yeah, I think it does. So I'm... A catching enthusiast. I think I've made that clear. It's one of the positions I've really been drawn to in my time watching baseball. So it's interesting to see the Brewers just continue to put a real value on that. That I don't know. It feels like it's at a level that isn't necessarily kind of universal across baseball yet, where everyone is like, "Yeah, we want to tie up, you know, this percentage of our budget across two catchers," which the Brewers are pretty committed to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So last season, I, I did some digging as you were talking and, you know, wanted, wanted to see what what uh, what the chart said. So 2023, he was uh, 76 percentile in call stealing above average, 64th in framing, 86th in pop time, 31st in blocks above average. So that tracks with what I've been hearing on other podcasts about uh, where this reputation would come from. So, you know, some solid stuff in there, some stuff that the Janet Leathers and her team over at the uh, the lab are really going to to hone in on and uh, turn things around um, and, and make them even better. Am, am I, am I speaking uh, hopefully and just like wanting to continue the bit of the catching lab? Yes, I am. Cause I want to, I want Gary Sanchez to have a plaque next to his name, next to Omar Narvaez and, uh, and the alike. 
Uh, Yasmani Grandel uh, should be in there as well, who just signed a minor league deal with the Pirates. So he's still kicking around after a couple of really tough years. Um, Gary Sanchez also that I had uh, fifth percent, top 5% of the league max exit velocity last year. So the man has the ability to hit the ball hard sometimes. And, you know, sometimes when... Uh, that's your, that's the, exactly, I believe, I read in a Fangraphs article on Rowdy Tellez that was posted the other day. I believe Rowdy was in the exact same percentile. So I guess in some ways that's that's replacing that high variance of this this dude hits it so hard that you know the homers could be there if it all goes together too. We just need to keep him away from the outfield wall in Cincinnati, and we'll be all set. Is is what I would say about that. Um, yeah, I guess that's all we've got to say on Gary Sanchez. Another solid move. Um, where do we want to go from here, Adam? Uh, the San Francisco Giants have signed Jorge Soler, Soler uh, to a three-year deal. He presumes to be the DH there in San Francisco. San Francisco was a team that, um, and still may yet be a team that we've talked about for Bellinger or Matt Chapman or Blake Snell. Jordan Montgomery still unsigned. Um, and the Boris four, I guess it would be, uh, of hmm. Montgomery, Snell, Chapman, and Bellinger. Still remaining unsigned as we get to pitchers and catchers reporting. There are some teams that have had, you know, less than stellar off-seasons, off-seasons that may leave fans wanting a bit. Uh, the Chicago Cubs, you know, their big splash was uh, landing Craig Council, uh, setting the market for managers, which is like, it's just so cool. Like, that's why I watch sports. Uh, I love when markets are set, um, especially for, uh, you know, People that aren't active players that still wear baseball pants. Um, it's just really cool. Um, Did you see the complaints show... about the, the baseball pants? Have you seen this? Uh, I've seen the complaints about the jerseys and the pants. Well, let's talk about this before we talk about. Uh, um... That's fair. That's fair. Go on. You, you're on board. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's talk about the. the oh, no, okay. Right. This is yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just reprehensible. Just that. I won't name the company. Just why? Just I mean, we have to. No, it's it's like it is. It's the factual. It's by the reporting goes that Major League Baseball has done a deal. They're not the only league to do, do this. I mean, Fanatics are the company everyone. NHL aware. has done one for next year too. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're and if you've been buying, you know, replica jerseys as a fan for most sports, honestly, in America, um, there is an increasingly high chance that you're actually buying Fanatics jerseys. But there are all these different levels that where some of them are not going to be anything like an authentic jersey. They're not going to be like a jersey or the players are wearing. The reporting I saw today, which I wasn't quite aware of before, um, I saw an image of a Miles Michaelis jersey and the yep. the kind of the lettering on the back and the quality of it. And seemingly there have been a lot of complaints about it. But I thought it was quite interesting is it the agreement that Major Baseball have done. It appears to be that fanatics now make their uniforms and Nike logos are stitched onto them. I'm most surprised that Nike lets that fly. I, and yeah. also fanatics. I mean, because, or maybe they don't care. They just want the money on the back end. That really does seem to be a part of their model at this point with these leagues. They just want all the contracts. They don't care if people actually know it's them or not. And if players are going to start complaining about uniform quality, they'd probably prefer that Nike is the logo on the front of it. 
Uh, I thought this is a really, really weird story, and we might only be at the precipice of it because we're only going to start to hear more from it as more pitchers and catchers report around the league, and then as we fully ramp up and get into spring training, guys are playing games. You need the the pants don't fit quite as well as they used to. Um, the jersey quality feels cheap, and so far it sounds like some players aren't impressed. Just a a weird story. I just can't think of many other instances in other leagues where it's like there is now a manufacturer making jerseys and a completely different company is just slapping their logo on it for, you know, I don't know, visibility purposes of <laughs> we're the brand you should all be buying, but you're not actually buying us. Very, very strange. Yeah, I the number one thing that came to my mind when I you know saw the images of the uh michaelis jersey and i think there were some seattle mariners uh, sh- uh shots going around as well then dan Samborski uh of zips i believe that's his uh that's his thing i think uh was doing the ai generated images of like people unhappily opening the jerseys uh on uh christmas day, christmas that was, day that was great sure. uh and uh yeah i saw a few of them and the, the one thing that comes to mind is just like what are we doing here like why are you doing this why are you actively making your product worse for consumers. You've been doing that for a while. Uh, for, for players, that, though. We're not even that, talking yeah, about consumers, though. That's the shocking thing. It's like, I expect like me and you to get screwed over. I don't expect them to do it to Miles Michaelis when it comes to something like that. An arbitration hearing, sure, but like having your fan, uh, pants not fit properly, like, what are we doing here? And also, another thing that I thought of, and you know, this... This, on the other hand, had the best of intentions, was when uh, George convinced uh, the Yankees to go to cotton uniforms, uh, and then they were much more comfortable and breathable on the field, but they shrunk in the wash, and then, you know, the players were splitting their pants, and it blew up in his face. This is like a different version of that, where, you know, it's sinister on its face, and it fails. The the reference I was going to make is, this reminds me of a money ball, when David Justice isn't happy that he has to pay for soda in the clubhouse. It's like... What do you mean my Nike jersey is actually a Fanatics jersey with a Nike patch on it? Like, what's going on? It's really, really strange. I. It also seems like something that can get rectified very quickly. Where, I, I, why do why do Fanatics actually have to produce the player jerseys? I don't know. Like, if this is disastrous, I could see a U-turn on this pretty quickly. But it's very strange. I, I almost feel if, if we've got something wrong, if there's some context I'm missing, please let me know. Because I just, it sounds so insane. I just kind of, from what I read, it does feel like these are just Fanatics jerseys with Nike badges. But understanding how, you know, these companies tend to work, I can't wrap my head around that being something that both parties are cool with. So, yeah, if there's if, anything uh... else we've missed, if we've any experts... Get in touch. Let us know. Let us know what we need to know about the state of player jerseys in Major League Baseball. Uh, if you have any information for me uh, on this issue, just don't send it to me because I want to have one thing that I can just be irrationally mad about because I've been I've been so positive on this podcast for about a month now. So I need I need to steer back into at least some level of anger and negativity. Just tag um, at- tag me in the books channel in Discord. That's <laughs> that's that's great to get it to be, and we'll just keep it away, Magic. You love being tagged. You love sure it. in the books um, channel. Just tag me up. 
I'm a Jersey enthusiast, Adam, as you know. So uh, I'm interested to see how this all shakes out. When I buy a Jackson Chorio jersey and I'm first draping it over my torso, am I going to be able to feel the difference? Am I going to be like, there's something not right here? Uh, also, for the consumers, have they been doing this longer? Are these Nike logos on my jersey? Is this premium I'm playing, paying for Nike? Is this really Fanatics made? I need to go do my own research on this, Adam, is what I really need to do. So here, here is the thing. To play devil's advocate on this, I purchased my first ever baseball jersey last year at American Family Field alongside you, Andrew. I got myself uh, a Rowdy Tellez Navy, we'll call it. I don't know what they officially call it. I know it's not Navy, but the kind of, the we'll say the road-style Brewers jersey from last season. I was struck by the quality of how good it was. As someone who was used to soccer jerseys basketball jerseys if someone had said to me you know what do you think it's possible that these baseball jerseys are too good i might have been i could have been swayed i honestly could have been swayed i mean like you know what you're making these jerseys too good for the people but there could be an overcorrection and i know you will certainly be quicker to report on that than me um well what's your what's your hoskins jersey feel like uh, so this was not the one that they're listing as like the new Nike Vapor or whatever. Uh, that's okay, on the so website. it's, so it's they the have, OG. Yeah, so this was the same one from the last few seasons. It feels fine. It feels like what we got at AmFam. Uh, the the printing is lovely. It doesn't look like a jersey I would have gotten, you know, from one of those sites where like they're twenty five dollars, but you can't speak to where you're getting it from. Uh. It does not feel like that. the slow boat from China in like six weeks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Which is, listen, I'm not above that. I've got plenty of, uh, I've got plenty of soccer jerseys, uh, mostly Liverpool from, you know, when I was uh, a struggling uh, artist and I I couldn't afford the, uh, the uh, Nike jerseys. And you were a baseball intern performing, you know, Backstreet Boys esque routines for that as well, which is a thing that happened if you were not in the uh, uh, playback that one evening. Um, but yeah, uh, like I I love the Nike baseball jerseys of the last few years. I think they're just so versatile in terms of your wear. I'll wear it to a concert outside during the summer. I'll wear it out to the brewery just randomly. I'll wear it on a Zoom with Adam. Like I, you know, it's 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 just uh, a part of my uniform as a person in the last two seasons has been. Enough, any variety of Brewers jerseys, and if if they're taking that away from me, that fit, that feel, and you know, that's part of my soul now. If it's going to look different, if it's one degree off on my left shoulder, if I'm not happy with the stitching, and I, I think I look like a fool in public, like that's that's going to be life shattering. Well, let's hope it does not come to the point where you don't have to. You can't wear baseball jerseys in public all the time. I still struggle <laughs> with the concept of a baseball jersey. I'll be honest. I have not worn mine. Like I, I don't want to think of how much I actually paid for that versus how many times I have worn it since, because it just it's like it's a unique garment in terms of the rest of my wardrobe. But I'd be even more upset if it was like I don't know. It's, it seems like there might be a kind of glossier finish. That kind of it's also when you get into. Do you have the term there? So you mentioned it. it's not the new Nike. What are they calling these? Like, what is the? Uh, because I had that... 
that even surprises me if it is like a Nike term they're putting on this, and then it's fanatic stuff. I don't saying that I don't know. Maybe I'm just not aware of like the depth of relationship between those two companies at this point either. Um, and I don't know to what extent that there might be just kind of deeper alliances built up to kind of corner all of sports clothing on the planet. Because it's certainly what fanatics are trying to do, and it's what Nike have been very close to for a long time. So you're you're going to be even more offended, but by what I've just come across as uh, uh as I'm going to these jerseys, uh, Adam, have you got your uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, New Era hat yet, or not? I I've seen <laughs> I've seen the new Brewers. Um, they're like green and gold, kind of right, white with green and gold on them. They're yeah. okay. I've seen worse. I also don't think I'll be buying one. There was a really nice one a couple of years ago that I looked out for. I was like, if they had it in Farm, maybe. Like, I mean, people might have seen, even people who watch the books pods, um, where you will see us on video from time to time, might have seen I've got, like, the books, St. Patrick's Day t-shirt from last year. That's nice. It's OG Bango, four-leaf clover. Not something you see a lot over here, but is kind of it is the American symbol for Irishness is the four leaf clover, where shamrock would be more common in Ireland. But that looks great. So I'm not opposed to it, but yeah, they're a bit they're fine, Andrew. What uh, what have you discovered in regard to the jerseys though? To get us back well, on topic, which is very off topic in the first place. Apologies. Um what they are referred to, I'm looking at the Christian Yelich, Milwaukee Brewers, Nike Home limited player jersey cream so limited is what they're going with oh, um, 174 174.99 is the retail there and the image that they're providing for you is definitely like it looks like it's definitely like artwork like it's not the an image of a jersey so that's hmm. a red flag uh b you know more expensive then, limited is also not good unless it's got addition it's, after it it's are we used, are we just saying this is limited your movement will be limited your satisfaction will be limited is that what we're getting at this? yeah, yeah uh, it's the term they've used um for uh uh nfl jerseys for the longest time it's like, okay. like game and limited and vapor and blah 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 and it's just like different words that mean they can charge you more is what I've determined. But anyway, this has been Jersey Talk with Adam and Andrew. Um, uh, this is how you don't you, you don't skip weeks, folks. This is how you do it. Um, that brings <laughs> us back. Uh, well, there's a hockey podcast I listen to um, uh, on the All City Network. Sorry to shout out another po- podcast network, but Ty does ad reads. Ty is, uh, Ty is gonna kill you. Oh, really? You hear Ty? Yeah, over he there. does. Yeah, I hear Ty do indeed wow. ad reads on there. So I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, uh, it's called What Chaos, and uh, they had a a friend of their podcast, but a stodgy old Boston uh, radio host complain about they don't talk about hockey, and he said if they would just get rid of the grab ass, then uh, it would be a good podcast. So that was just now our grab ass sec- segment, Adam. Oh. Hashtag sorry, Todd. Um, I think ass is fine, right? Ass is fine. I'm not. I'm not okay. for us. Okay, and you, and you never can, should. You know, we can frame um, that quote, people, if we want to. And you know what? I think I think it's fine. Podcasts should be allowed to veer off and have fun. But anyway, the Chicago Cubs 
figure to be a player for the Cody Bellinger's Matt Chapman's uh, of the world. And do we really think? Snell, I don't know. Do we think Matt Chapman? Aside from obviously they just have had an underwhelming offseason and may have money that they need to spend. I, a Bellinger, that's obvious. But look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and. What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's that's where my question to you goes, because uh, it brings me to another thing I wanted to address here is the uh, Dakota projections have the Cardinals winning the division. And I think probably a lot of that is waiting uh, past performance of some of their uh, like superstar players who, you know, are getting up there in age. Arenado and uh, Goldschmidt, you know, performance raising years from. So say like Gorman or Newt Bar bouncing back, whatever it may be. Um, but they had the Cubs second ahead of the Brewers. And I think obviously the Brewers projections, um, when you're like feeding the robots at them, uh, are going to be on the lower end um, because you've got a lot of a unproven players you're hoping things from and just the difference in the rotation from last year to this year. Just, you know, it's going to come in on the negative end of that. But we, you and I know, and Brewers fans know to trust the Brewers pitching development and the plan they have um, for run prevention. Walt, uh, Walker McKinvin, uh run prevention coordinator. So, like, you know, he, he's got it on lock. It has run prevention in the name. They're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it had the Cubs at second. So the projections come out to um, the Cardinals winning the division with a 528 uh, winning percentage, the Cubs to come in second at 80 and 82, the Brewers at 79 and 83, Cincinnati 78 and 84, Pittsburgh 73 and 89. Um, if you're, do you think the Cubs have to sign one of these remaining free agents to like save any kind of face with this offseason? Because as I look at the NL Central right now, I would go, I'd honestly go Brewers 1, Reds two, Cubs three, Cardinals four, Pirates five. And like I think the Cubs are the team that needs to take the biggest swing out of this group to to give themselves a chance. And yet the, the you know the, the robots are telling us that the Cardinals are gonna come out on top. Where do you where do you stand in all this with what's left to do in the offseason for these various teams, namely the Cubs, and what these projections say about uh where Pakota thinks the season will go? I think that the division is like flat enough and open enough that I don't think any team needs to do anything. I, I genuinely, I think all five teams in the division, I will even include the Pirates, they can probably sit around, you know, amongst themselves and imagine a best case scenario where they find themselves right in the mix in this division this season. And 
with that in mind, I don't know if anyone will necessarily feel they have to do something. The Cubs might be on the the other end of that scale where they feel there's an opportunity here that they is worth them seizing. And maybe that forces them into that, but how smart will that be? Is it going to be smart to just kind of sign players because the opportunity is there? And I don't know. I mean, surely for all of the joking we've done about it and we'll continue to do about it, part of going and getting Craig Council and investing that amount of money in your manager is to build a new longer-term project where if you can't do it this year, you will eventually flex your financial might as the Cubs and be in a much better position to win and to set a standard in the NL Central from there. Maybe they're not that patient and maybe Council won't even be that patient and maybe he'll have an expectation of what should happen this season to be in a better position to go and grab this division and not let the Brewers trade away Corbin Burns and still not take the division from them. Like, that would be a bad look for the Cubs, but I also think it's just kind of par for the course for the Cubs. If I was making decisions there, I do not think I would necessarily... Like, if they just... If Matt Chapman is the answer for them and they're very happy to go and sign Matt Chapman and, I don't know, potentially sign him for multiple years, then sure, you go and do that if you can and that opportunity is available to you. But I... I can see every team, and I mean every team, and obviously the Pirates are really just about, but they've got some young talent, and you could just have one of those weird years. Look, the Pirates had a weird year for the early part of last year, and then things kind of cooled. I'm not not saying I'm in on them, but I just think there is no one in the NL Central that if you are any other team, you're like, well, that's the boogeyman, and we're not going to catch them. It's like... I think any team could sell themselves on if we got good internal development, if some guys really kind of hit and we get some good luck, maybe that requires injuries elsewhere. I I just, I see a path to all five of these teams being able to talk themselves into at minimum being in a playoff race from where they are. And the reality is probably three of those teams will not. Certainly two of them probably will fall out of it. But like, like the flip side of that with the Cardinals, the Cardinals could easily, easily finish fourth in the NL Central, and I wouldn't bat an eye. I wouldn't be like, oh, what an upset that is. Like, it's just going to be very even between certainly the top four, but those top four aren't so good that the Pirates need to be like, oh, we're completely out of this and we're going to be uncompetitive either. So I, that's my current read on the division. I do think the Brewers will win it. I could just continue to say that every week. So there's no mistake about it. Um, but I, I doubt the Cubs feel like they have to go and make big moves to have a chance of winning this division. It's just whether you want to, and it's, if you want to, what are you doing that for? Like, if you can get those guys on big one-year deals, I mean, they did a Bellinger last year, sure. Um, but if I was in Chicago, I might be most concerned in looking around the division at what the Brewers have building. And the fact that they are retooling and may do so in a way that they don't miss too much of a beat while setting themselves up to be, you know, a better version than we've seen in the past couple of years again very, very soon. So in that case, do you go even more all in on the now? I I have a tough time seeing it, but then I don't really get what they're doing. And I think their offseason has been incredibly underwhelming. That's that's where I'm at. Um because I think it's it's one thing 
for the Brewers or like the Rays or someone to be like, we need to operate in a financially sustainable way and, you know, only make the right deal. But I think in an off season where, you know, you just lost the division to the Brewers again. So you went, ah, we're going to take their manager to then operate in kind of the weird spot they've operated this off season. Then, okay. You replace Marcus Stroman in the rotation with Shota Imanaga, uh, unproven at the MLB level. And then you go grab prospect Michael Bush, which was a move I like a lot. And I think is good business, but again, unproven. Okay. He's our first baseman. And then you're like, okay, well, we got Craig council and now he's going to squeeze every last drop out of this roster because that's what Craig council does. And we got him so that we don't have to be in the type of dollar ranges that the brewer or the Dodgers are in or things like that. I think that's just like, uh, a, a loser mindset from an organization that is just going to get beat by the brewers again. That's kind of where I'm at with their off season. Um, and so when I was looking at the uh, Pakoda projections and then seeing who was still out there on the market, uh, it kind of just crossed my mind, like what big move are the Cubs going to make? Uh, and and while I'm telling them to operate that way, I also think there's really, really good potential for them to give Cody Bellinger a deal that is just so, so stupid. And he uh, oscillates back and forth from year to year from, you know, having the year he had last year and then being completely unplayable like he was um, uh, for the Dodgers towards the end of his tenure there. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to, like Craig Council, squeeze a little bit more efficiency out of this episode so that we you know had something to talk about uh, if the cubs do go and say land bellinger and chapman it then becomes about okay well what are the what are the contracts and trying to work out well what is the reasoning uh is that a will part of that a being plan a and it's just the boris of it all that's left it to this late point in the off season or will it be an act of desperation and an act of panic we may not fully be able to parse through that, but if it does come to pass, I don't I don't think it's necessarily something where I have a, oh, that's a good move for the Cubs or that's a bad move for the Cubs. I think there's going to be context to that. I will have to kind of pare back some of the layers, look at what the contracts are, look at the length of contracts and work it out from there. Like, it's easy for them to spin it and they can be like, oh, you know, the reason we were so slow is because... Yeah, this guy was just waiting out with all of his clients and these were the people we wanted so we had to wait along with it I'm not sure I buy that though so we'll see we'll see what they do and I guess we can judge then even if they do manage to land those two guys but no one has to do anything at this point in the NL Central it's, it's up for grabs enough that Everyone can certainly believe, oh, we we have enough to be this kind of factor in the division. And we'll see what happens from there. And look, I, it is close enough too, as much as we can kind of talk about teams that are in or teams that are out of it. That's not accounting for the injuries that we're not going to know are coming one way or another. Like, it won't take much to derail teams, the NL Central this year, you know. One, yeah. two players missing a meaningful period of time and the front runner could all of a sudden be fourth or fifth in the division. Um, I, I think that's how finally poised it's going to be. So <laughs> I don't know. Is it good content to be like, 
you know what? Luck is probably going to play an even bigger part in this division race this year than in other years. Maybe not, but I do think there's going to be some truth to that because there aren't clear front runners and even maybe just... It's it's hard. I don't even know yet when I'm trying to think of it. Like, is is the NL Central deeper? Probably not. Some of the worst teams are improving. They're rising up. But the Brewers have certainly come back. The Cubs aren't in any kind of, you know, intimidating place. The Cardinals have certainly come back. So the division, again, I don't think will be as bad as a lot of people want to make it. The division will be, but I also... It's just, it is kind of as perfectly mediocre middle of the pack as it can be. And I think we're going to see a lot of very mediocre middle of the pack teams battling it out with each other with not a whole lot in it all season long. Yeah, uh, the NL Central in 2024. Who's going to get the injury luck? Who's kidding themselves? (laughs) And how will it all shake out? Whose young players will take the next step? In their development, the Cubs obviously have Pete Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, uh, Michael Bush. I don't think uh, they probably aren't very high on Matt Mervis anymore because they uh, just acquired Bush. Um, And yeah, what happens to the Cardinals' old starting pitchers that they've brought in to eat some innings? Uh, What does Miles Michaelis look like this year? The Gormans of the world, like I was talking about. There's a lot of variables. The, The Cincinnati Reds, what are all these exciting young position players in Year two, will uh, Jamer Candelario really be a meaningful addition to the lineup? Uh, will Ellie De La Cruz's uh, production uh, finally become even with the hype? There's a lot of a uh, lot, lot of talking points that will go through throughout the season. Like you said, Adam, you know, what what do the Pirates do? O'Neill Cruz uh, back from injury. Uh, can he stick at shortstop? He's so tall. He throws so hard. He plays like Mickey Mantle against the Brewers. Uh, lots of stuff to watch throughout the uh, the year in the NL Central. But yeah, Pakoda, remaining free agents, uh, desperation. They were all just thoughts trickling in, in my mind as I scrolled through the stories of the day and saw that Jorge Soler was headed to the Giants. And, you know, maybe, maybe they're the team that's actually panicking because they play in a division with the Dodgers and the team that just uh, made the World Series and the Diamondbacks and the Padres, who, despite sending... Uh, Juan Soto uh, to the Yankees still have a pretty good roster, very top heavy in the lineup. And I think they've, they've lost some pitching obviously with Snell probably not going back there. So, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the panic uh, go all in by team I was looking for was uh, the team that was right under my nose there uh, all along that just signed Jorge Soler. Maybe they're going to add Chapman and Snell. And uh, that's the team. Or, you know, minimum, like let's say, Let's say the Cubs' plan all along has been Ballinger and Chapman. A team like the Giants, who might be feeling a little bit antsy, they could certainly bid them up, you know? And what the Cubs' plan was could become more expensive and could become less appealing, and all of a sudden, you know, they feel a lot less great about what they're getting into or how they're they're building out their roster. That's going to be interesting to watch because all all will take, you know, you leave it that late too. It has been nice the past couple of weeks to see the Brewers get like some major moves done. Like I, there could still be a major move or two. We know that, but also the Brewers are kind of set. And if opening day was next week, we could map out a roster and be like, "Yeah, cool. That's the roster for the season. Let's see how things unfold." 
Uh, teams who don't feel like that and teams who are kind of swimming around in the pools of remaining free agents, that's that's a different spot to be in. And you can, you can end up playing a dangerous game where even if you're calm and composed about it, all it takes is one irrational actor and then you're in a bidding war you don't really care to be in the first place, but you've got to be because of the the stage of the offseason you're at, the kind of options that are left. Like, if the Cubs have their eyes on major business still, they're, they're at risk of finding themselves in those kind of situations. All right, let's 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 do it. I'll give you some time to think about it. Let's make a prediction for each of the Boris Four free agents and where they're going to end up. So that's Blake Snell. Jordan Montgomery, Gosh. Matt Chapman, and Cody Bellinger. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. You're like, ask me on the spot who wants Blake Snell. <laughs> All uh, right. Okay, go on. Let me let me hear what you've got. All right, I'm going to go Bellinger back to the Cubs. So Yes, I, I'm, I'm fully with you on that. It just seems logical, both parties. All right. Blake Snell to the Giants. Are we are we certain the Dodgers don't want more shiny things? I mean that that would be a big like what's the word I'm looking for? Just like shot across the the bow of the rest of the NLS for sure. I, but like we're not far removed from when we were thinking Corbin Burns could have been that for them. It's like if they really want to keep going, we don't know that ever there was ever anything there or that I ever could have materialized, but. Just if we're to continue with what we were kind of mapping out there. And yeah, I guess they have the system where they could part with some of those guys. And it's maybe I'm not saying that's going to happen. I, a team like the Giants are reaching, as we just said, a desperation point where they're kind of got to go get someone. I, that makes a lot of sense. But I just wonder, is there just a big fish with an open checkbook out there who may have other ideas about that? That is the question. Um, so that brings us to Jordan Montgomery. That's a that's a tough one. I'm going to say he goes back to Texas. Although they've got the uncertainty with their TV money and all that, so I know they've been crying about that. But I don't know. You just want a world. Are series they? Even... They're one of the weird Bali. What are we four teams that are? Their situation is a bit more immediate with the changes. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't. I really, I have no opinion on this. I didn't particularly <laughs> like Jordan Montgomery when he was a Cardinal, and we're seeing a bit more of him. Even that was never like, oh, this is the guy. I think he's doing well to have his agent be who he is to be grouped in with these four, you know, as part of this four players. But, oh, Adam, he had a great 2023. <laughs> I honestly, I don't care where Jordan Montgomery goes, Andrew. <laughs> lastly, like Matt Montgomery. Chapman. Matt Chapman, you are also well, a San Francisco Giant. No, you're a Milwaukee Brewer, Matt Chapman. Come on, oh, let's, man, let's I would love it that. I'd love it, too. Let's just say it. I don't believe it. I don't know. It's also because of the agent involved, it's all the more difficult with how... The whole offseason has been managed, and 
I'd be pretty antsy if I was some of these guys. Like, are they going to end up as being winners out of it because of the desperate teams coming to get them? Maybe, but also, are all four of them going to end up being winners? Like, that is where I'd come down on something like Jordan Montgomery. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, we're all still here waiting. And uh, who else? Oh, Blake Snell is waiting too. Cool. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what kind of deals these guys land. And if ultimately they're all pleased with how their all season played out. Uh, Jock Peterson also to the Diamondbacks is the age that happened. Uh, Tommy Pham went I'm to busy. part of the Super Bowl and then watched the rest of it at his home, which was just like a, a just a move that I respect so much because sometimes I'm just like at a party and I'm like, I don't want to be there anymore. What? And Where is his home? How close to the stadium? He, I, he obviously lives in Vegas or I mean, was he like straight out of there and on like a helicopter to LA or I, I was, that's the part of that that I really want more detail on is just how he got out of the Super Bowl and to his home quite so quickly. <laughs> yeah, he was born in Vegas, so I think he's a Vegas guy. Um, you know, the, the Super Bowl was in in his hometown, or as it were. And he's just and, like, uh, nah, I don't know for this. Yeah, he's like, uh, I don't really like you know what? these teams. Andrew, Tommy Fam, don't think we've ever said this before on the pod. Weird guy. <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> Interesting guy. Um, Jesse um, Winker. Think... We never, we never mentioned oh, yes, Jesse yes, Winker. Yes, yes. That's ahead. probably the yes, last series too. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more to say here. Um, he has signed a minor league deal, right? I'm correct in saying that. Yep. Um, with the Nationals. <laughs> sure. Guess, let's see. Um, it's like, would I even feel bad? Would I be if he, if he ended up in the big leagues? 20 homers or something of the season, but I'd be like, God damn it. Why weren't you competent last year? I I don't think I would. I've just I'm past it. I've moved on. And we're not dealing with that kind of level of signings or that construction of offseason this year either for the Brewers. So it's easier. We don't have a, like, I don't feel like Gary Sanchez is just the person will be like, oh, it's this year's Jesse Winker, this year's Andrew McCutcheon. I just think they moved past that entirely so we can just stop thinking about Jesse Winker forever. Yeah. Um that's that's fair. You know, I I, I just want what's best for people. So if he if he wants to figure it out for a last place team, that's not gonna hurt my feelings. All right. I think is that, that does all, it for is us. that all we've got? Okay. I think it is. <laughs> I think we, yeah. we did we did well. I don't know if our listeners will agree, but I, think I am we'll dying agree over here. <laughs> if you like what you hear, we don't usually talk about you know fanatics and Nike and jerseys and stuff all that much. But if you want to hear more about the Milwaukee Brewers throughout the season, subscribe to Cruising for a Bruising wherever you get your podcasts. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. We've got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed for all things Milwaukee books. That's the Eurostep with Ty Windish and Rowan Cotty. Winning six, myself and Jordan Tresky. Books fans getting very excited again. Dismantle the Charlotte Hornets. That is not anything. Dismantle the Denver Nuggets. That might be something. I'm still on the fence. Positive signs, but a lot more convincing will be needed for me, but 
to see how things unfold, to hear all the reaction. We really do have you covered from all angles for all things Milwaukee Books, Euroset Podcast Network. For all things Green Bay Packers, check out Talking to Tundra with Neil and Jordan. I believe they will have a new episode by Friday for you all to hear. And for movies, pop culture, all that kind of stuff, Andrew and I talk even more. Make time for this. That's where you can hear all of that. Up next will be an episode on the zone of interest in the films of Jonathan Glazer. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. God bless us, everyone. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com